We wouldn't be able to keep this archive going without your support. Donate online today at WIXR.org. Good morning, this is Bishop Phoebe Rofe of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee, and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Each Thursday morning, we broadcast from WYXR 91.7 FM out of Crosstown Concourse, and we have the opportunity to interview an interesting guest to learn more about their work and the role of faith in their life. So each Thursday, we start with a segment called The Saint of the Day. And the, uh, the liturgical calendar that we use as Episcopalians has uh, a, a special section called, I think, Lesser Feast and Fasts at one point, uh, Holy uh, Men, Holy Women at another point. And so on many days of the year, they highlight uh, a saint who's basically just a regular person who's done extraordinary things. And we're in the month of March, which is Women's History Month. And in checking our calendar for this week in March, there wasn't a female saint listed. And so I thought I would share some information about a woman who played a pivotal role in uh, bringing the Episcopal Church to this part of Tennessee, and that woman is Mary Hayes Willis Gloucester. Now, the Episcopal Church came to Tennessee in the early 1800s, and Mary was instrumental in bringing clergy to this part of the state. Her great-granddaughter wrote an account of her life, and I want to read a section of um, her reflections on her great-grandmother, and I quote, All of my life, I have been told that the little church Emmanuel LaGrange, a picture of which hangs on my wall, was grandfather's church, and that his Negroes made the bricks from which it was built. He, Uncle George, and Grandma and Grandpa Gloucester were so lonely for the church service, and dear Mr. Green, the first permanent rector in Warrington, and his good, helpful sermons. They decided to have a church service at the Anderson home, asking those citizens who might like to join them. This they did, and in a short time, had a good congregation. Since Grandfather John Anderson always had prayer morning and evening in his home, I'm sure that he read the service. This was the first service of the Episcopal Church held in the district of West Tennessee. In 1832, Grandma Gloucester decided to go and see the Reverend Odie, her godson, and the Episcopal missionary in Tennessee. She rode on horseback with one of Grandfather John Anderson's good, reliable old family Negroes. 
The Reverend Odie at once wrote to New York for a missionary, and the Reverend Wright came. So this account of um, the start of Episcopal services in the western part of the state, I think tells us several things. I sense Mary Gloucester's strength, uh, her faith and commitment. Um, of, we, we have the idea that faithful Christians viewed church as so important that they were willing to make sacrifices to ensure that their children were brought up in the faith. And, you know, it's clear that women were part of the story of the church from the very beginning, and so were African-Americans. Black folk may not have been allowed to worship on Sunday mornings, but our labor helped to construct the buildings and provide the financial resources necessary for the church to grow in those early years. So we do remember with fondness Mary Hayes Willis Gloucester, who, um, you know, it's amazing to think about a woman um, in the mid-1800s, well, 1832, I guess the early um, 1800s, um, setting off on a pretty long journey uh, with one um, enslaved servant and herself on horseback uh, to go and convince uh, the priest in a different part of the state that West Tennessee needed Episcopal clergy so that they could have strong and vibrant faith communities here. And Emmanuel LaGrange, uh, the church that was mentioned in that account, is considered the mother church of West Tennessee and is still in existence, uh, still holding services, and uh, the building that those enslaved Africans constructed, lo, those many years ago, is still standing. Uh, The congregation has very faithfully uh, renovated it several times. In fact, they recently completed a significant renovation, and it's a beautiful space. Um, And so we know, right, that the story of our history is complex, um, it's nuanced, Uh, And yet uh, what I take from it is that uh, women and men of faith and people of all races have been a part of the story of the church in West Tennessee from the very beginning. You're listening, but are you in the know? The WYXR weekly newsletter is the best source for keeping up with events at WYXR. Whether they are happening on our airwaves, behind the scenes, or out in the community, log on to newsletter.wyxr.org to sign up for our mailing list and keep yourself in the loop. So this morning, we have a very special guest who's actually coming to us live via the marvels of technology from New York. The Honorable Ruth McLean uh, has a lot of titles. She is um, an attorney. She is uh, a clergy spouse. Uh, She serves on the standing committee of our diocese. And she is one of the delegates to the 67th United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, 
um, which is meeting between March 6th and 17th. There are, I believe, nine delegates representing the Episcopal Church um, in the this sort of contingent. I believe eight of them are in New York, and one is attending online, and they are all representing presiding Bishop Michael Curry in this initiative. So, Ruth, good morning, and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, that we actually represent 14 countries. Wow. I did not know that until I got here. Mm-hmm. So we normally start the program, Ruth, by asking our guest about the role of faith in their life. And so when you were a girl growing up, um, were you involved in a faith community? Absolutely. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Um, I uh, went to, it was a small town. Paul and I both went to the same Baptist church. And um, I'd listen to the sermons and I would just think in my head, that's not what my Bible says. And I'd go to Sunday school and I'd think, that's not what my Bible says. <laughs> and I have apologized to my Sunday school teacher, Helen Wald, multiple times <laughs> for being such a problem child in her Sunday school class. <laughs> but it did give me a really strong foundation in Scripture. Mm-hmm. I know my Bible. Mm-hmm. I know it well. That's great. So when you first heard about this um, United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, what was it that prompted you to want to participate? Oh, that's a, that's a great and a hard question. Um, I think it, a lot of it was just wanting to see what the experience would be like. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I wanted to serve. Mm-hmm. But it was, I was intrigued, I guess. Yeah. But with an opportunity to serve mm-hmm. in a way I'd never served before. Yeah. So I believe the theme of this year's conference is innovation and technological change, uh, education in the digital age for achieving gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls. So can you give us a sense of how, I mean, those are, this seems to me three really, really big topics. How are they going about sort of narrowing in on these really large topics? Well, there are lots of um, sub-meetings. Mm-hmm. And so you've got groups working on various things. But I will tell you, um, we had to do homework okay. <laughs> before we went. Yep. And, and one of them was they sent out this um, uh, the Beijing report um, from the United Nations back from 1994. Mm-hmm. And, of course, being an attorney, and it was like 800 pages. Oh, wow. And But I read it because, you know, we're attorneys. Mm-hmm. We read those things. And I, my mouth fell to the floor. We are so far back. From there, hmm. because I mean, I, I'm just waiting for a triceratops to fly by the the pyramid in Memphis because <laughs> I just I can't believe how much ground we've lost. We just had Roe versus Wade overturned. Mm-hmm. We just had the Taliban say 
that Afghan women and children can't get an education. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it, it goes on and on and on. Of at, where are the men in this? That's mm. that's my big question. Mm. Is mm. where are the men? Why aren't the men standing up and say, "I will not tolerate this for my family. Mm. I have a wife. I have a mother. I have children." I will not tolerate this. Hmm. And yet they don't. Hmm. They're not standing up. So it's interesting. So you you mentioned uh, that you all had a lot of prep and that there are a lot of meetings. Can you give us a sense of what a typical day has looked like, you know, since you've been in New York? Um, yes. A, a, a typical day is we start with morning prayer. It's always a good idea. And then um, we kind of mosey to the United Nations and takes a while to get there and then to get through security. Hmm. And um, the sessions start about 1030 and then they adjourn and then there's, you know, people go to lunch or mm-hmm. do whatever. And then you come back at about 230 mm-hmm. or three and then there are more sessions. And so it's, it's kind of a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but then there are opportunities to meet people and visit with people in between all those sessions. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm a visitor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I amazing. So, I imagine that you've had some amazing conversations uh, with women from all throughout the world because the Episcopal delegation is just one, right? Roughly, uh, Ruth, how many people are participating in the conference? 85, 8,600. Wow. And, and you would not believe how gorgeous all these people are. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, their clothing, they're mm-hmm. wearing traditional clothing. And it's just, I, I just want to say, where'd you get that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want mm-hmm. one of those. Yeah, yeah. So um, thus far, uh, what issues have generated the most discussion and conversation among the people who are gathered for the conference? I don't know if there's been a singular issue. Okay. I think that one thing that I personally want to point out is that, first of all, you've got to make sure that they have electricity. If you're going for technology, do wow. they have electricity? Mm-hmm. And we're talking to go down deep. Yeah. And then do they have access to the Internet? Do they have a computer? Can they read? All the uh, you know basic stuff. And Wi-Fi is like, I don't even, that's not even a worry. You know, we've touched even on uh, drug addiction and sex trafficking Hmm. that happens through the Internet. Mm -hmm. 66% of older women are uneducated compared to 23% of men. And is that like throughout the entire world, that statistic of the 66%? Yes. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, um, sil- silence and failure, failure to act is an action of itself. So even decision, the choice to do nothing, is actually a decision that we make. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder, um, has anything that you've learned since you've been there been a surprise to you, Ruth? Something that you uh, like was like, wow. I never thought about that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How much time have we got? <laughs> you know, some things just never occurred to me. Yeah. Here's one thing that I think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ukraine. Yes. When, before Russia bombed them and started the war, 
um, they accepted like 3,500 refugees. And so the, these people, these women could go to college, continue mm-hmm. their education. And then once, once they started bombing, they, the refugees had to leave and find another place to go to school. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, this is a small country. Mm-hmm. And they can take in that many people. And what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, anyway, all, I'm just proud of Ukraine. Yeah. You know, all those issues that you mentioned for us in America to think about, you know, women who don't even have access to electricity, let alone, you know, Internet or access to a quality education. I imagine that there's a part of that that seems so big, like, wow. Can one person even make a difference? So as you are taking all of this in, um, how do you not get overwhelmed by all of that? How do you continue to have hope even as you're learning about what sounds like some very challenging situations throughout the world? Well, they are challenging situations, but there are um, federal grants Uh available to help. And it just takes somebody that's willing to, or that has the authority, mm-hmm. to write a grant for it. Okay. And I, you know, I I have hope in that mm-hmm. that we're going to find the people who can write the the grants. Yes. Um, one other thing that I want to mention is there's a a phrase they called leaky pipeline. The leaky pipeline. Okay. Um, you know, STEM schools. Hmm. They tend to funnel girls into individual spots and not let the girls make their choices. Hmm. When I was in high school, I went to see my guidance counselor to see, okay, what what should I major in in college? And she encouraged me to go to the community college and become a secretary. Hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a secretary. Right. But I, I graduated magna cum laude from my undergrad, and I'm an attorney. And for her, for her to say, try to funnel me into a community college, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I know what these children are, are facing. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of this delegation from the Episcopal Church, uh, what is it that you all hope to bring back to the various dioceses that you all represent at the conclusion of the conference? And might there be ways for Episcopalians from West Tennessee to get involved in any of these significant issues? I I do think that there are ways we can get involved I think we need to see what the report looks like. They're okay. still writing it. So so, and so explain the process. So basically at the end of every conference, is a report issued? Well, if they're, they're editing it now. As, okay. You know, mm-hmm. today, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they may continue to edit it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll figure out how long it's going to take for us to get. Okay. Uh, you know, to get what we what we came up with. Yes. So the report that you mentioned, um, are you all as sort of delegates to the conference, do you all have an opportunity to give input? Is it based upon y'all's conversation and discussion in terms of the, the, the findings in the report? You know, we 
had limited access to a microphone. Okay. So, I mean, there, you think about how many well, people Well, yeah, with 8,600, roughly 8,600 people, that's a lot of people to try to get up on a microphone. And so we did have one slot, but they ran out of time, and so she okay. didn't get to speak. Yeah. And so um, it's just, um, we can we can provide written input. Mm-hmm. That's as, you know, and we can meet as a group. Okay. And we do. Mm-hmm. But it's, and then we can provide edits and... Which we have. Yes. And and so we uh, try to figure out, why didn't they like this language? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something else I wanted to ask you about is that um, International Women's Day was March the 8th. So mm-hmm. were you all there on March the 8th? And what was that experience like? It was fabulous. And we all wore blue. And it was just a sea of blue. Wow. It was wonderful. Yeah. Did you all do anything special on that day to mark that occasion? Um, Well, at morning prayer, we did. Okay. That's great. That's great. So is this something that you would encourage other women to consider uh, participating in? Because I do believe this conference comes up, is it every year? Is that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, now that COVID's over. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So is this something that you would encourage other women to consider doing in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just um, they have a um, presiding bishop has this fabulous team. Mm-hmm. They will walk you through everything. Mm-hmm. They are with you and um, support you. And so you're not going to be alone. Mm-hmm. And if you need anything or if you have questions, they're brilliant. They've done this so many times. Mm-hmm. So um, just jump in fearless. <laughs> jump in and fearless. So um, as you, I said, suppose you're in the final stretches now, right, of the conference. It ends mm-hmm. on the, the 17th. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So can you give us a sense maybe of one one takeaway for you uh, from having had this amazing experience? Anything that stands out? This is going to be selfish, but the oh. sisterhood. Yeah, say more about that. These women are all amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many are priests. There's like four of them, five of them. But they're all amazing. And we've just established what I hope is going to be lifelong friendships Mm -hmm. because um, we're all on the same page. We're all just working together and Mm -hmm. everybody watches out for everybody. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's the sisterhood, a bunch of good Episcopalians getting together. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I'm grateful that this was something that you were interested in pursuing uh, it sounds like, you know, you're going to have memories to last a lifetime. I wonder, Ruth, do you journal or do you take notes? Like, what are you doing so that, you know, say a year or two from now, you won't have forgotten everything? Is there a way that you're trying to capture some of these experiences? I have this. Okay. It's from the... Um, School of Excellence in Memphis, and they asked me to come and speak about the Trail of Tears. Okay. And that's tough because these are high school students, and they're Mm -hmm. smart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they gave me that as a gift. So is that a journal? Uh, And I've been journaling in that. Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) It's a special special book, and I wanted it to be in a special place. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I do, uh, you know, hope that you're finding ways to kind of record these memories. I don't know about you. Sometimes things are so fresh in the moment. And when I go back maybe a year or so later, I can be fuzzy about the details. So if I've taken notes or if I've recorded little videos or done things like that, it will help sort of to bring it back to my mind. Well, I'm more tactile. I write notes. Got it. And um, I kind of, I like poetry, so I kind of do a little bit of that. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful. So, um, but yeah, I've, um, and I take pictures. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, capturing those memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, right now they have um, a lot of the sessions online. Okay. So if you wanted to go online, you could see. Um, what's going on in the United Nations. So can anyone, even someone who's not registered for the conference, go online to listen to some of the the sessions? Absolutely. Wonderful. So um, I guess for the listening audience, I suppose if you Google United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, Hopefully that will take you to the UN website where you will have an opportunity to participate in some of the things that Ruth is uh been engaged in over the past week or so. So Ruth, we want to thank you so much for taking time in the midst of what I imagine is a busy schedule to talk to us here on Faithfully Memphis. Thank you. Safe travels home. Thank you so much. And they do need to do, they need to put in what the committee is because um, there are a bunch of different things going on at the United Nations. It's a huge facility. Got it. So there are other things going on. Got it. So if they Google commission on the status of women, that should bring up the, the big thing. And then I suppose they can find more specific information. Correct. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. So I encourage our listeners who are interested in learning more about the UN Commission on the Status of Women to Google it and um, get a sense of the sorts of issues that they have been discussing. And I look forward to getting the final report uh, after it is issued at the conclusion of the conference. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, our Uh, conversations in March uh, have been with women in celebration of Women's History Month. And next Thursday morning, Emily Austin, our Director of Communications and uh, Community Engagement, will be in a conversation with Ann Langston, a very involved uh, layperson here in Memphis, uh, who's done many, many things to help Lift Up Communities in Need. So I hope that you will tune in next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Just a reminder that you can hear uh, this podcast anywhere you listen to other podcasts, including Apple Music and Spotify. So we do encourage you to uh, not only listen but to follow us, uh, to like the show, and also to leave any comments or feedback about our programming and your ideas and suggestions about upcoming guests. 
So until next week, friends, stay safe and stay positive.